You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. series on worship music and tonight I want to just take a few minutes to talk about worship music itself. So when I was a kid I grew up in the world of CCM. Anybody know what that stands for? Nobody remembers? (laughs) The entire Mellinger youth pastors over here got it done. Yeah go ahead tell everybody. Contemporary Contemporary Christian music which was Christian music but cool. <laughs> uh, for me, yeah, cool. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Michael W. Smith, cool here. Uh, like, we actually just played a CCM song there for a minute. Uh, Reliant K, Never Underestimate My Jesus. Um, and uh, that, that, that one takes me back. Now, there was a lot of good music in that time. Uh, what I really enjoyed about it was, um, there was, even though some of it was just complete cheese, and it was hard to listen to because it was just so cheesy and, and just didn't feel like real or spiritual. It kind of felt fake. There was also in the midst of that cheese, a lot of good bands rising up with some real authentic music. And a lot of it was just entertainment. So you didn't really feel that bad about running out to buy entertainment because you do that all the time, whether you go to the movies or you watch TV or anything like that. Christian media had its own music. It was there usually to entertain. Like a lot of these albums had jokes throughout them. Even at the end, there'd be these hidden tracks with just ridiculous stuff happening. Uh, and, and you just were kind of enjoying the entertainment. And, and there would be some good songs to sing that would kind of really hit your soul. And over time, it moved into some incredible genres that you never thought Christian music would go into with hard rock and screamo. And then it started moving into a secular world with P.O.D. and Switchfoot. And uh, um, Christian music, just in general, it was, it was serving several purposes. It became evangelistic. Uh, it also became good music, good entertainment, things like that. But there was always cheese in the midst of it. There was always some really bad stuff where you would listen to this music and you'd be like, it has the name of Jesus written all over it. Theologically, it's even maybe solid, but it just, it sounds like dollar signs. Uh, like I can hear ka in the background of, of someone just trying to make a profit off of me. And if you paid close attention, you could always discern what songs were like that. And I know that because I have worked in Christian radio for seven years. And if you think that it's hard to listen to Christian uh, music just a little bit here and there, try sitting in a studio listening to Christian music for three hours every morning. Some of you work in stores playing Christian music, so (laughs) you already get it. Um, But you would always be able to hear some of these songs like this is just dollar signs. This is not worship. This is not really hitting anything this is just it's cheese it it hurts like jesus would be offended that you thought that this was that this was good quality christian entertainment but it was entertainment so it was hard to complain because entertainment is entertainment but there was something that switched at one point and if i myself were to try to pinpoint when that moment was i would say uh 
that it happened when this album came out uh, from a band called Sonic Flood. Anybody remember this, Sonic Flood? Yeah, like two of us, great, three of us, four, okay, okay, okay. Uh, my friend got it for me it, for my birthday or a moving gift, I don't remember, but it was the pinkest looking CD of all time. <laughs> I don't listen to much worship music. I mean, all we really had back then was Maranatha. Uh, but here I have the Sonic Flood album, and I've heard the hits on WOW albums, among other things. Because you got to have your Christian Now albums, known as WOW albums, because again, we cheesify everything. Uh, but um, this album came out, and I put it in my CD player, and I didn't expect to like it very much. But after like the fourth listen, I was like, wow, there is something different about this album, this worship music. Like, I've known cheese, I've known good Christian entertainment, but I've never quite felt whatever this is. It's Something deeper. And the hidden track on this one, instead of being jokes, is actually the band praying over the album with the recording studio. That they're really hoping that this will make a difference. And, and it's not just standard worship music. It's really high quality musicians. Actually, most of the musicians played in the band DC Talk at the time. And they're all uh, uh, creating quality music with quality worship, with quality instrumentation. And, and I'm sensing a shift in my understanding of music. And then I go see them live by accident. I went to see Newsboys in a giant blow-up dome in a parking lot. Uh, but their opening band was Sonic Flood. And this really threw me for a loop because this was the first time I ever saw a band that played one three-minute song for at least like 10 to 15 minutes straight. <laughs> uh, little did I know, I had just walked into my first Pentecostal worship service. I was here to talk, uh, hear songs about eating breakfast in hell, but instead what I'm hearing, if you know Newsboys, you understand that. If you don't, then you don't. Uh, instead, I'm listening to a whole little worship concert going on beforehand. And I grew up in a very white, villagey, non-expressive church. <laughs> and so like, I had never even seen anyone's hand raised. I'm going to talk more about emotion and worship next week. But here I am with this lady in front of me, just like belting it out, going crazy, and I'm like, wow, she, I mean, like, they're really into this. What, what's happening? What is this worship music that's, that's happening? My family was, like, stuck in front of her, so I tried to cross by her to which she then screamed at me. So it was fun to watch. Yes, Jesus, come. What you doing, boy? But otherwise, like, it was a, it was a really powerful moment to <laughs> watch, them, watch them worship. And that album became a staple in Christian music. Uh, I think it went gold. Uh, which is hard to do, especially in Christian music. And I noticed a shift after that. If you were to log on any given Friday to whatever you use, Spotify or Apple Music or Tidal, if you're fancy pants, uh, whatever you use, if you were to log on to like the Christian section of music, you would find something entirely different than we had 15 years ago. Instead of everything being CCM, this Christian entertainment stuff, with a rare worship album thrown in, you would now find all worship music with rare CCM thrown in. And this may not sound that important, but uh, the reason I make a big deal out of this is because there is now a ton of money in worship music. 
Every church in the world has to pay a copyright license, which means every Sunday when we sing songs, someone out there is making money. And that's fine because they wrote the song. But if you can get a top song and get all churches around the world to sing it, you are making bank. Thousands upon thousands of dollars off a song that you never have to touch again for the rest of your life. It just brings in money. And you have to understand when worship music, this thing that is supposed to be holy and sacred, belongs in a church or among God's people, suddenly becomes one of the most monetized things in the world. Well, that shifts a lot of heart directions behind what we're doing. I've got a friend uh, who has played in a famous Christian band for uh, several years. If I said the band, you would likely know who it is. They're in CCM. Uh, but they, they run a recording studio and they record all, all these famous bands. Some of the songs that you've sang yourself, he probably penned them himself and just gave it off to another band. But he himself, I remember talking on the phone with him just a few months ago and I was telling him about these songs I was working on that like, I felt like it wasn't trying to just be generic. I was trying to find this heart. And he was talking about how like that's what he looks for when he's recording people now because he's worked in Christian industry, Christian music industry for so long. He says that it's like selling sacrifices in the courtyard. Where all these things that uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders in the market are doing in the courtyard of the temple in Jesus' time that seem like they have a good purpose. Come buy your sacrifices. Come do this over here. Um, they're actually completely off, right? To the point that Jesus walks in and he sees the market of the Christian, well, in their case, the, uh, the um, Jewish worship industry, just like we have our Christian worship industry. He walks in and Jesus' response is not to separate like uh, what he's, he's not into and what he is into. He just walks in and he's completely thrown off by everything going on in here. That this is the way that, that God's people have begun to treat the kinds of things that God's people are supposed to do. And Jesus walks in and he starts flipping tables. And you know what? I think if we could imagine a Christian music industry <laughs> having a convention outside of a church, I feel like if Jesus walked in, I can... I can tell some of the songs that I've heard where he would walk in and start flipping tables. Like this one right here, this just sounds like money. This song over here got popular and all the rest of you copied it. You made the same exact songs, lots of ha's and o's. And is o even a worship sound? Like, I, you know, just whoa. Like that's half the worship songs out there now. <laughs> I don't know. But I feel like there is enough reason for us to be cautious about the kind of songs that we sing. Now, uh, me and Casey have had to travel around a few times to lead worship events at different things that our conference have, has done. And I got to tell you, it is difficult because the songs we sing here at 1208 are not usually super well known. The ones that we like the best are not songs that um, the rest of the conference will know. There's a reason for that. I don't gravitate oftentimes to like the top songs everybody's singing because sometimes the lyrics can bother me. Sometimes the messaging doesn't feel right. There are some songs that worship myself more than they worship God. There are some songs that are not biblically sound. 
And there are some songs that just sound cheesy and don't quite hit the mark for me. So I myself have gotten to this point where like the collection of songs that I'm willing to pull from, like they have to have enough scriptural evidence to, to feel like it's something worth singing. They have to have the right kind of sound where it doesn't feel like we're just singing dollar signs. The songs have to more or less become my friends. Because when songs become my friends, I then know how they can come and serve you, come and serve me. So we might be in the middle of a song and it may not feel like uh, now's a good time to, um, it may feel like another song comes to mind and, and suddenly I'll have to like trust this song as a friend. Yeah, yeah, you make sense to come and join the party right now. Why don't you come in? My other song can leave and this new one can come in. That's the kind of thing that, that we try to do with, with worship leading is that we're building song catalogs that we trust. And this, I think, can be important to you in your own daily life, because as you are um, coming across Christian music, which is coming out from every single church in existence now, <laughs> and it mostly all sounds the same. But as you're coming across Christian music, you need to come not just willing to sing what whatever comes out. What are these lyrics about? How do they turn me to God? What's scriptural about them? As we begin to kind of trust those songs and allow them to bring us closer into God's presence, we'll find that over the course of whatever time that we gather, if we trust the songs that we're working with, they'll help us move one step closer into the intimate presence of God. That's ultimately where we're headed in this series. The final message we're going to do, it's all about trying to find intimacy with God. That, that is one of my driving points with songs. Uh, so we'll head there, but I thought today we'd just take a, a short amount of time that we had to talk about the importance of music in general. You know, it, I think the Dead Sea Scrolls said that David wrote like 3,600 psalms. Guess how many of them are in the Bible? <laughs> 150. So even within David's catalog, there were some that especially hit home, some that felt especially spiritual, scriptural, God-inspired. And then there's another... 3,500 and 850-something that, that just didn't quite hit the, hit the same kind of mark. And so, uh, yeah, that, that's just kind of a, a, a word for you as you continue to worship throughout your week. Don't take every song just at base value because a song's a song. Bring it before God. See if this one can be your friend and if you can subject it to the Bible and if it subjects you to Jesus in doing so. And sometimes you'll find some strange songs that really do that. There's always those occasional songs that rise up and everyone can kind of sense like this one's been anointed for this time because it takes off like wildfire. But then there's other songs that take off like wildfire too where I'm like, eh, this one doesn't feel as motivated by the spirit as it does kind of motivated by uh, the dollar sign. So God, we come before you. We don't want to sell um, sacrifices in the courtyards. We don't want to do the kind of thing that will get our tables flipped. God, especially when we're coming before you in worship, we want to be doing things that subject ourselves to you, that make us think through scripture, that bring us to our knees. And God, that's not a genre. It's not as though hymns can only do that and modern worship can't. But if we can't uh, find the voice of Jesus and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and 
the uh, scriptural references that we're looking for, then we often may find ourselves engaging in something that can become a twisted kind of worship. How many songs we sing all about us, but never stopping to, to really reflect on who you are. And we know that worship comes out of a relationship. There's so many psalms where uh, the psalmist will sing about themselves, but in subjection to you. So it's not that that's bad. Um, God, we need your, your censor. That as we're worshiping throughout our week, as we're worshiping in our churches, as we're worshiping uh, while driving the car, let our hearts be focused on you through the kinds of things that, that we put in our way to do that. We give ourselves to you now, and as we continue to learn more about worship music, I pray that we would find the intimacy of you, uh, the emotional side of the Psalms, and all that uh, um, worship music brings to the exaltation to, to Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.